Sometimes we confuse ourselves and we come to think that God is like us or that God should act like us or should be like us. But if we follow this thought process all the way out, all we have to do is look at the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, and that's exactly what we get. We get these mythical creatures, beings, who are just like humans, except they have more power in one way or another. But they have all the same pride and vanity and selfishness that we as humans naturally have. But when we look at our God, when we look at our God compared to all the other myths, all the other religions in the world, especially those that came before Judaism, that came before Christianity, when we look at all of the tribalistic gods, when we look at all of the Native American gods, when we look at all of that, the one big, there's one, among others, there's one big difference, and that's the selflessness of God. In Genesis here, Abram, who's now called Abraham, was told for 25 years, it was for 15 years, that he would have Isaac. He had no descendants. He had no children. He and Sarai were barren. But God came to him and said, if you do my will, if you follow me, if you trust in me, I will give you a son. And he will be the father, and you will be the father of many nations, and you will have descendants as numerous as the stars. So he waited, and eventually Isaac was born to him. And his name was changed to Abraham, and Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. So he thought everything was pretty good. And sometimes we think that way too when we ask for our prayers to be answered, for our prayers to be answered that they should come. And we may not even have the perseverance to wait 15 years for that answer to be fulfilled. And then we come to what we read today, where Abraham is asked by God, told by God, to sacrifice his only son, his beloved, Isaac. The rabbis have a tradition and have had a tradition for many thousands of years that Isaac was 37 years old. This is not a baby. This is not a young boy. This is a 37-year-old. And Isaac goes along with this as well. So it's a total of 52 years that Abraham is waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. Isaac isn't married yet. Isaac has no children. And yet God still promises every time they talk that he will be the father of many nations. And he is blessed in the Lord. And yet there's no children. And now God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son, to end any chance of there being blessing through him. And all the other gods, all the other religions, the myths in the Middle East at that time required human sacrifice. So what God is asking is no different from any of the other gods, any of the other Baals, any of the Ashtaroth, anyone else in this part of the world at this time. And so Abraham, who knows what exactly was going on in, through his head, what was going through his head, he certainly at this point had faith and belief, undying faith, unwavering belief in our Lord because he takes his son and is about to sacrifice him when the angel stops him, when God stops him. In this most dramatic of moments, it proves Abraham's faith, it proves Isaac's willingness to be faithful as well, and it shows that God is different from all others. 
where he says, I don't really want you to sacrifice. I want you to know yourself how serious you are about following me, about trusting me, about worshiping me, about believing in me. But I don't want your son. And then we look forward to the gospel here, where even though this is the transfiguration, we know that the passion is coming. We know that God is different because also he gives his own son. Unlike, like I said, any Greek or Roman god or goddess who are very selfish, selflessness is almost non-existent in any of those myths. And selflessness is a hard thing to come by when you look at other world religions, other world myths, other world ancient tribal religions. But our God gives his only son, gives us his Isaac, and we know that he'll be sacrificed on the cross. Not for God's sake, not to appease the Father, but to reunite us, his creatures, back to him. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of Mount Tabor to have this magnificent transfiguration take place before them. This was right after in Mark's Gospel, where Peter declares that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Jesus tells them all, but I will be handed over to the chief priests and the elders, and I will die. I'll be ransomed on Israel's behalf. And they don't believe him. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of Mount Tabor to show him, to show them, to show the three of them, his divinity, his divinity united with our humanity, to see the promise that God has made all the way back with Abraham, that all nations will find blessing in his Abraham's descendants. And we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of Moses. Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. And the church is the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel. That all are welcome if we believe, if we have that strong faith, that strong generosity that Abraham had. It was this faith in God that saved him. Well, it's really God that saved him, but it's the faith that allowed God to save him. Otherwise, Abraham would have rejected it. Being a member of the church, being witness to the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist, being witness to the grace of the Holy Spirit alive in all of the sacraments. This is what it means to be, to have the faith to follow God, to be with his body, to be part of the new Israel. We're given this image of the transfiguration so that we too can have confidence that that man hanging on the cross was not in vain. That in fact, it's through our perseverance and through our death, united with Jesus, that the resurrection comes, that heaven comes, that joy comes. And we know this on a personal human level. Most good things come after a burden, after a struggle. Most good things or things that are worth it are not the easy choice. Most things, if you want, that are worth anything, require sacrifice. You look at Olympians, there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of pain. You look at giving birth to a child, a lot of pain. Is it worth it? From what I've told, yes. I've never done it myself. Thank you. Then raising a kid, well, we know how the kid came about in the first place, and it must have been pretty good because God knew in one, if you're going to be dealing with this kid for 18 plus years, you better be pretty magnificent, the experience of getting that kid. Becoming the valedictorian requires a lot of effort. 
becoming the best of anything. If you want to become an entrepreneur, if you want to be rich and wealthy in this life, or even to have some stability, some amount of wealth, it requires a sacrifice. It requires effort. And the same is true with our relationship with God, with being a member of the church, with being a true disciple. One of the areas that we don't talk about a whole lot is generosity. It kind of is spoken about a lot. The generosity of God is spoken about. But less often is truly the virtue of generosity for each of us. If we are God's disciples, if we are Jesus' disciples, if we want to be like him, are we generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure? Are we the fulfillment or another Abraham in our day and time, in our lifetime? Are we willing to give everything or even great things for God? with our time, our talent, and our treasure? Are we willing to support one another with our kind words, with being there? Are we willing to support the church, the parish, with our financial assistance? We are called to be like Abraham. We're called to be greater than Abraham. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to give when it hurts. We're called to be there for others. We're called to always remember that only through the cross, our daily cross that we pick up, is our salvation attained. Our redemption happened when Jesus died on the cross for us. But our faith comes, salvation comes, when we unite ourselves to that redemption. That is when we are saved. And we unite ourselves to that cross, to that sacrifice, when we can honestly say that we have made sacrifices ourselves for our neighbor and for God. 